0: my my objective today is to stir you up to where you you feel that you have no option but to fall on your face and fast and pray for this nation. That's my objective today, and you think, well, what's that got to do with church? Well, we addressed that a couple of weeks ago you know uh I believe it was derek print and well, i actually I think I have his his article here on um on the church and politics and you know, the thing, what is politics? Politics is basically actions you do to influence somebody to follow and for them to do what you want them to do. In other words, it's kind of a control technique. And it can be good or bad, but, but whatever it is, is that Derek Prince says, as the church goes, so goes the nation. I've read this to you before. My theme is that in any nation where the church is established, God holds the church accountable for the condition of that nation. This is sobering and a far-reaching thought. Ultimately, what we want to do is reach and impact America. If I had to reach America directly today, this gathering would be the wrong place to do it because all of you guys are committed believers. It says God judges the churches in a nation by the condition of the nation and he holds those churches accountable. That was Derek Prince. I believe that because that's the word God spoke into my heart back several months ago. and Actually, more than that. This is not just a recent problem that we're having. And, you know, in the virus that's here and, and, you know, we know it's a reality. We're not trying to put our head in the sand and say, well, it does. It's not really here. That's just, no, we're not in denial. But we might be in denial on some of the information we're getting. Or we might be directly opposed to the information that we're getting because some of it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is that in the past 15 years as pastor, of this church, I have never felt such an urgency to move people to pray. Because I truly believe, I truly believe that this nation could be going down the tubes. You say, well, I God would never allow that. You read your Bible. You read your Bible. You've got your head in the sand if you believe that. Now, the, God, the word tells us that, that the devil will never, never prevail or contend against the church. That's the different thing. God might just snatch the church out of here. But let me tell you something. If he doesn't, we have children. We have grandchildren. It's going to be here long after we are gone. I, this morning I was, I was awake most of the night. If you were a part of prayer last night, man, it was so powerful. I think I slept a couple hours and then I was awake and slept a couple and awake. But, but if you've got, if you, I want you to think about something. Think about where this world would be if there was no United States of America as we know it. You think about it. I think about the many friends that we have in other nations that are looking to us just for survival. And many of them were wealthy countries at one time, but a certain evil force of government got in and spread this socialistic, humanistic um, religion, what it is, and it's destroyed the nations. What if this nation no longer existed? This nation is great because, what was one of the French philosophers said, this nation is great because it's good. The moment it ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. The moment it ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. We are on our way to ceasing to being a good nation. I can't believe some of the things that I've heard just come to the forefront in recent weeks. Terry, I want you just to share what you you found this morning. And if this doesn't make you feel like you've got to pray, then you're in the wrong place. Let me just tell you that. You're in the wrong place if you don't feel the urgency to pray after you hear this.
1: How many of you know there's a demonic political spirit trying to destroy America? Wow. This is hard to read. This is very shocking. This comes from someone we know, Joseph Matera. He put together an article. Sharon Slater, head of Family Watch International. Organizations in the UN are supporting sexual education for children as young as zero. Birth. Because they have their rights. A newborn baby has rights to sexuality according to UN. The World Health Organization has a manual for European children just waiting to come to the U.S. that says children ages 0 to 4 are taught how to touch their body parts for sexual pleasure. Birth up. And do we wonder why... Politicians, the political spirit is attacking the president of the United States for defunding the World Health Organization. It is the political spirit in the World Health Organization that's trying to destroy the next generation. At age nine, the World Health Organization directs children to be to the International Planned Parenthood Federation to learn about their sexual rights. What they're going to learn from Planned Parenthood is that children have a right to have sexual activity at any age, that they have a right to sexual pleasure. Now, materials from UNICEF. UNICEF, they take care of children, don't they? We are blind as Americans. We are blind as Christians. That organization that takes care of children asserts that children have the right to access sexual and reproductive health services without parental consent. The UNFPA, which is the Population Fund of the United Nations, has created a phone app for children to use that teaches them how to give consent to sexual acts without their parents' permission. And Joseph Matera ends with, If the radical left, the socialistic left, get in power, legalization of pedophilia will be next. That's the objective of the World Health Organization of UNICEF and the UN. Church, wake up. My God, we've been sold a bill of goods in this nation, the World Health Organization, UNICEF and the UN, and we think they're almighty, and they're trying to destroy the nation and the children. I'm going to read you my statement. We frequently hear that the church and state need to function separately. Under proper godly alignment, I have no problem with that. Because I believe the church should totally control politics. Instead of politicians controlling politics. Did you hear me? We, the church of Christ, should control politics. Not ungodly men and women. We've allowed the political spirit to be in control instead of righteousness. When politicians cease to operate under godly principles, they should be removed from office. Politicians should have a fear of God, so much so they know their personal rebellion will cause their expulsion from office. Church is waking up in the country. Finally, we're waking up, and we're putting an end to this nonsense that the devil has perpetrated on the church.
0: You know, things have changed so dramatically. I know back a hundred years ago when I was in uh, undergraduate school and I had to take North Carolina history. And anybody remember that? In college, North Carolina history. I remember one thing that just blew me away. Um, I wasn't even a believer at the time. I probably thought I was, but I wasn't. That in order to teach in the schools of North Carolina, you had to be a, a Christian. You couldn't even be a Catholic. You had to be a Christian to teach in the schools of North Carolina. All of the universities were founded on biblical principles. Do we see how far we have drifted? I mean, who would have thought even five years ago we would have had to stand in a pulpit on Sunday morning and read stats like that so we know how to pray? But what do we do if we say, well, we don't talk about that in church. Well, what are we going to do then? We're, they're just going to keep on going. The church is the only answer for the evil that's in the world. We've got to understand this. The church is the only answer. We're the only ones strong enough to combat that. And, and you mentioned the church controlling the government. I believe that's, you know, Jesus, the word, we've talked so much on ecclesia, maybe some of you haven't heard it. But the, the very term ecclesia, Jesus used that word, and he used it very strategically, and it was a very well-known word in the Greek language at that time. It had nothing to do with spiritual connotations. It was all about an assembly of people who were called together to rule. Assembly of people who were called together to make changes that, were, that would legislate righteousness in a city. That's what Jesus' intent was. Now, in the in the Greek world, I mean, it was just secular in their intent. But that he very carefully chose that word. And he had other words he could have chosen. But that's the purpose of the church. Do I think we should get out and riot? Absolutely not. I don't believe in that for nothing. I don't believe in rioting. As much as I, I hate the abortion issue, I would never riot on an abortion clinic. Never approve of burning that because we pray. And I've said so many times, if all these people that are walking and carrying signs would pray, and hopefully some of them are, what? how much more we could do in our, in our nation, in our state. But what the devil, the devil is the king of divide and conquer. The devil wants to polarize people in the church, and he'll do it any way he can do it. He'll do it on skin color, he'll do it on political party, he'll do it on ethnicity, he'll do it on income. He'll do anything he can to polarize people to be one against the other because he knows in unity he he is powerless when the church comes together in unity. And that's kind of what's prompted this whole thing about the the revival. I felt so strongly that we need to to fast 40 days going into the November 3rd election. And we need godly people in office. We need godly people in office. We need people out of office that are saying or not get into office that are saying, I don't care. We're gonna we're gonna expand the abortion laws. We're gonna kill more babies, and we're gonna make it more painful. And we're gonna torture them even more. This is not the kind of government we need in our in our nation. We don't need people in office that's approving pedophilia as a as a norm. That's an ab- that's an abomination to God. And we ha- the church is the only answer to this, guys. We gotta pray and we gotta vote. We pray, we vote. And I'm just asking you to think about praying, pray, pray. I'm asking you, vote biblically. Don't be hoodwinked by the enemy and thinking it's all about a party. It's not about a party. It's about the principles that a person stands by. And unfortunately, what has happened is all of these horrendous principles that the enemy is, is, is perpetrating in our nation seems to be polarized toward one particular party. Now, I hate to say that. But that's just the facts. Can we just look at the facts? So throughout the ages, God has called for those who are part of his family to return. This is nothing new, to return to God. I think he's been calling it as long as I can remember, being a believer. And why is that? Because the sins of, God, of the people separate us from God. And I went back and I just kind of did a little quick timeline on what's happened just since 2020. And at the beginning of 2020, the Lord gave us a theme, and that theme was the church deployed. Little did we know what that would mean for this 2020 year, because we've been through, we've just been setting the stage through through warfare, and we we talked about, uh, you know, over running to win, and we talked about the overcoming the strongholds of the enemy. We've had years with themes of that and leading up to this. We talked about the church being the real ecclesia, making a difference in the land, and now I'm not talking about inside this building. I'm talking about when you go outside this door. You carry. Pa- Pastor Zach said it so well last week. You carry the awakening power within you. Take it and give it away. Give it to somebody. Bring them out of bondage. Bring them out of darkness. Bring them out of the out of the uh, the lies of the enemy that he's perpetrating. And so we, the church, deployed. And, and on January 1st, I went back and looked at. You know, we had that January 1 meeting. It was in the middle of the week, and we baptized people that day. And our marching orders were from Joshua 1, and we're going to talk about that today. Be strong and courageous. Meditate on the word. Take the land. That was our marching orders for January 1. By March, the World Health Organization had declared a global pandemic. March 13th, the President Trump declared a national health emergency. And states began issuing stay-at-home orders, and, uh, except for those with their essential services. And that was, we were trying to figure out how they must have put their hand in a, in a bat hat and drew names out. How, how can some things be essential services and other things not? Makes no sense to me. You know, part of this thing of the deception of the enemy is you lose common sense. On March 22nd, I asked us to take a 40-day challenge, not a fast, to get our life back into balance, spirit, soul, and body. So from the 22nd to April the 3rd, the challenge for the balance was, was among us. By April, churches were closing, and at best, they were limited, except for us. We try. We did operate, and we tell people, "Do what you feel you need to do." You know, there's a scripture. Proverbs eighteen nine says, "He who doesn't do what he knows to do is a brother of him who commits suicide to bring healing." All these wonderful things, Pastor, uh, doctor Bill told us. These are things that this is human body stuff. He's a medical doctor. He knows this. God created us in, incredibly wonderfully, you know, and there's, so there's natural laws that are in place as well as spiritual laws. So when we're lacking in certain nutrients, it's certainly going to do some things to the body to suppress the immune system, and then we have sickness. So the, the businesses were closing. Shortages were happening. Did anybody ever think well, you couldn't find toilet paper? Cleaning products. I still can't find these little wipes for the counters. I did find three bottles of spray and I scoffed them up last week. May 25th, George Floyd was killed horrendously and the nation overnight began to split. See, the enemy uses, the enemy will use whatever he can to polarize, to separate. And suddenly race, the racial issues stole the attention away from the COVID situation. But we began to hear some things very clearly, and we heard April, May, I don't remember exactly, I wish I had dated it. I heard so clearly, and I thought it was just for us, but I believe it's for the church, that we're in a season of Joseph. If you know your Bible story, you know that Joseph, was and, and actually in the Psalms it says God sent a man ahead of them for the famine. In other words, he sent a man ahead to store up, to prepare. And I heard very, very clearly, prepare but don't hoard. Because hoard is driven by fear. This is not fear. Joseph wasn't afraid when he was putting all that grain. And he knew that he was doing what God had directed him to do. So we, we, we began to say, okay, how do we need to prepare? And I, and I brought this to you. And I said, you need to ask God how he wants you specifically to prepare for you. We're doing some things with the church to prepare for the church. We, we believe in that. But panic had already set in. And the line was clearly being drawn as to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Unfortunately, we have people that ask us if they should leave their church. Because of, well, I'm trying to be careful here. The fear that's perpetrated inside the church. Not being willing to stand and really discuss the issues that are really at hand. I tell you, we don't have time anymore for feel-good sermons. Those days are over. The other thing the Lord said to me very, very clearly, He said, "Will the Son of Man find faith when He returns to the earth. And that, that scripture just rang out in my head, and I knew again what He was talking. Will the Son of Man find faith when He returns to the earth. In the past, I never really fully comprehended what that meant. I know exactly what it means now. If Jesus were returning today, would he find faith when he comes to the earth? Or would he find fear? We have to remember that fear hoards and faith prepares. There's a major difference. Major difference. And then we began to see the importance. When they were saying closed churches, we were adding services. We began to see the importance of increased prayer. We added extra time, an extra day of prayer. We moved our Tuesday morning phone prayer to Monday night in-person prayer. And we were encouraging people to come if you feel comfortable. Wear a mask if you want to wear a mask. That's okay. We don't ridicule you. Uh, you know, ex- use social distancing if you feel comfortable. We want you to be comfortable. Regardless of what I personally believe, I want everyone to be comfortable. I really do. Doesn't matter what I believe. You've got to believe what you believe. Okay? So the enemy has continued to work to bring division, and, and God spoke again. And, and what he said was so clear. He said, it's so important in this day that we're in that we examine our hearts. We have to have pure hearts. Why is that? Because I didn't know God was going to lead us into a 40-day fast. And so we we, we talked a lot about that. We talked about uh, uh, looking at our hearts, getting rid of offense, getting, you know, getting rid of unforgiveness, letting go of things that are, that can cause us um, roadblocks in our lives. And we looked, you know, we looked at the current events that are happening in our nation. And sometimes most of us are saying, we just can't watch too much of it. Number one, it's hard to watch something and you wonder how much is really true. And how much is, I don't care which network you look at. It's going to be skewed to their personal preference. Doesn't matter. So I get, you know, sometimes it's just hard to endure any of it. And so... We, we started seeing, though, that evil just seemed to be oozing out of our nation. All this stuff about, you know, the, the pedophiles in Hollywood and people getting arrested and people killing themselves and now the pedophilia that they're trying to normalize. You know, it's evil. It's, it's like in your face. Homosexuality is in your face. And we love anybody that's struggling with any of these issues. But let me tell you, they don't have to struggle because God can set them free. Amen? Amen. But the devil convinces people that it's in their best interest in this particular lifestyle, whatever it might be. And politicians are even using the destruction of human life as one of their stump speeches, part of their stump speech. That's going to get me more votes if I tell people I'm going to kill more babies or I'm in favor of this or I'm in favor of that. So evil is no longer covered, it's blatantly in our face. And it's like the devil is sneering. He's sneering at the church. And this can only happen because those who were in authority missed it. Now, let me tell you, we're not blaming political party. I'm blaming the church. While the church was sleeping, this came in. While the church was sleeping, but God is calling his church to return to him. He's calling his church to return. I've just got some scriptures I found in in the Old Testament primarily about returning. Hosea 14.1 says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Isaiah 30.15 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says, Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. Why do we think we're going to get a pass on all this? In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. Some of these... Negatives I cut off. Hosea 6, one, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, now He will heal us. He has injured us, now He will bandage our wounds. What's He talking about? God brings judgment on the wicked. God brings judgment on the wicked. But He will heal. Haggai 2.17 says, I sent blight and mildew and hell to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refuse to return to Me. Who sent it? God sent it. You know, we, we like to quote Second Chronicles seven fourteen, but if we go above it, we'll see where it says, and if I send the plague. See, we don't understand the judgment of God on sin and wickedness. And that's the pulpit's fault. Because we've preached such feel-good sermons, we want everybody to be happy and skip out of church and continue living in your, you know, your treacherous lifestyle. Doesn't matter, you know, it's okay, well, we'll just pet them and pamper them. Maybe they'll come around. Well, I hope they do before they die, right? I, I, my, our friend, our daughter, two of our granddaughters had a close friend that was killed in a car accident two weeks ago. Now, I don't know anything about her. I would haven't asked them about her spiritual life. I just hope she was ready. But at 21, losing control of a car and running into a tree, her life is just like that. It's gone. See, we we have to be ready. We have to be, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and draw us to God. Malachi 3, 7 says, Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. You return, now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Do You see what this is? This is blindness. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. How can we return? God, we're okay. We haven't done anything wrong. Look at the prosperity of our nation. We're doing good. You know, the devil can prosper you. Do you know that? The devil can cause things to go. Just look at some of the rock stars that have sold their soul to the devil. Some of the athletic stars who sold their souls to the devil. How can we return when we've never gone away? And I think the U.S. and a lot of churches are in this state right here today. We're doing okay. We've got big numbers coming in. Everybody seems to be happy. Nehemiah nine. but if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. So there's, there's a constant, and there's many, many more, but there's a constant plea through Scripture for the nation of Israel and God's people to return to him when they have strayed away in sin. It's a constant plea. And we see it time and time again. And God is calling us back. He's calling the nation back. He's calling the churches back. But it begins with us individually. We have to answer for ourselves individually. I can't force someone to return to God. But I can certainly pray. Corporately, we can pray and we can come against the powers and principalities that are influencing our children and our grandchildren and our our people. In 1984, Ronald Reagan said, Without God, there is no virtue, because there is no prompting of the conscience. Without God, we're mired in the material, that flat world, that tells us only what the senses perceive. Without God, there is a coarsening of the society. And without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. 1984. What are some of the characteristics of of a nation or a a person who has forgotten God? Number one, they're very self-focused. Very self-focused. Selfish ambition. Image is everything to them. And they'll compromise to preserve an image. Very self-focused. Immorality is rampant. Immorality is rampant. What is immorality? You know what immorality is, right? I don't have to spell it out, right? Terry talked about some of it. It takes all different forms. There's no concern for the value of human life. Where did I get these things? Right out of the Word of God, by the way. I didn't make these up. No concern for the value of human life. Abortion, sexual exploitation, euthanasia. All of these things become more and more palatable for us. Violence and destruction, arguing, fighting. Truth is replaced by lies to promote personal agendas. We twist the truth to get our way. We twist the truth to have our own personal agenda come forth. People groups are oppressed. People groups are oppressed. You know, I was thinking when all this came up with the racial rights, and I thought to myself, you know, the Bible tells us that we are slaves to God. And I actually ministered in here, and when God said to let my people go that they might come and worship me, that word worship actually means serve me like a slave. That's what it means. But the difference is, God is a good slave master, isn't he? And I thought to myself, what if all of the people that were being brought in from other nations into this country as slaves had been treated like God would have treated them? What if they'd been given another opportunity? What if they'd been given homes and, and care instead of being abused? See, the evil is what abuses. God God doesn't do that. What if that had happened instead of what did happen? Well, it's not too late to turn the tide on people we're with. Every, we can't reverse that. But what we can do is we, can, we have people every day that we meet this in some form of bondage. Some form of slavery. Barbara Wintruble told me that every nation she went to that was under Muslim rule, women were oppressed. You know, they wear masks. Hello? They wear masks everywhere they go. This is what we're leading to, let me tell you. This is not just happenstance. Selfish motivation, greed, hidden agenda, sexual perversion, disrespect for those in authority, disrespect for parents. And so as we began to think about all these things and the importance of doing the 40 day fast, the Lord also began to download to me. And I thought it was just for me personally, but nothing's ever for me personally. You know, as a pastor of the church is never for me personally because he knows my stuff. He knows my baggage. He knows where I struggle with things I don't struggle with some of these things but I might struggle with with uh, distractions I might struggle with sugar and sweets I might struggle with a lot of things but you know but anyway God knows what we what our issues are right and let me tell you whatever your issue is if, if you're if you're hooked on something like pornography that's no harder to God than me hooked on sugar right they're both God will just get rid they're all addictions I'm not hooked on sugar anymore, by the way but if, if I were I haven't had the one pack of M&Ms in about six weeks. I have to admit it was a share size, but it was. But seriously, God doesn't care what your stuff. He just wants you to be right up front with him. And that's what it did. I sat down one day and I said, God, you know, I really have this thing with sugar. I really need your help. And I was really just honest as I'm talking to my husband. And suddenly I no longer have a desire for it like I did. And I said, God, you know, there, I have these things here. I, I really want you to, t-. and I get up in the mornings and I said, I no longer have a desire for food items that are not healthy for me. I no longer have a desire for diet Dr. Pepper. I do like it. But the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to begin to prepare for the 40 days. And yesterday I was just doing this and I thought, wow, this is yesterday was 40 days until the 40 days. Now, so he said, I want you to begin to prepare. Because why Why did he say that? Because I don't want you going to September 25th ready to do the fast and you've got all this junk hanging on you and you're going to spend the whole 40 days trying to get your stuff together. Because let me tell you, we have something more important to do than trying to get over eating M&Ms, right? We have something a whole lot more important to do. And we need to we need to seek God individually on how we can prepare ourselves so when September 25th comes, we're hitting the ground running. And I don't know, God's going to give us a directive for our, our corporate body. I'm fully convinced of that. I don't have it yet. We don't have it yet. I believe it will come from several of us. But I just want to encourage us. And so as I began to think about that, 40 days to 40 days, I had to go back to Joshua because that was, our, that was our marching orders in January. You know, I love the book of Joshua. And that's where he, you know he talks about how you've never been this way before. We've never been where we're at today. We've never been here before. Please don't go back and try to use old methods to, to, to bring victory in this day that we're in. You've got to hear from God for today. Let me tell you, and the other thing, every one of you can hear from God just like I can hear from God. Every single one of you. Whether you're young or whether you're older, it doesn't matter. Holy Spirit is the same. He's ageless. And he'll speak. And look at how he spoke to Samuel. God will speak and God will give you directions. And I love Psalm 1, I think it's 139, 8, or 9, and it says, God perfects what concerns you. He'll speak to you about your health situation. He may tell you to eliminate this out of your diet, but He may tell He may tell somebody else, you don't have to do that. You may need to do something else. See, God knows how we're made, right? So as I was reading and going back into the book of Joshua, Joshua 1, 11 said, and you know the story about Joshua. Joshua was laying on the ground whining and moaning when Moses was dead. And God just yelled, get up, Joshua. That's what, I mean, It doesn't quite read that way in the Bible, but that's the way I interpret it. Get up. Arise. we got work to do. And that's what I feel about the church. It's time for the church to get up and arise. We have work to do. We don't need to be staying at home, right? We don't, in fear, shut in like this. Now, if you've got a health to work it out, okay? I don't have time to talk about it. But work it out. But we we need soldiers that are ready to run. That's who we need. So Joshua, and so the Lord tells Joshua, get up. And he says, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And then he, sa- then he says, meditate on the word day and night, because then that you're going to make your way prosperous. The same, that's the same solution for us all. Meditate on the word day and night. God's going to give you the answer to anything that's going on in your life. He'll make your way prosperous. He'll make your way successful. He'll bring ideas into your. He'll, he'll open doors for you. God, That's just who God is. And let me tell you something. We're in a land of Goshen. Do you believe that? You, I would, If I were you, I would go back and I would read the first five books of the Bible in this season that we're in. When he brought them out of Egypt and all the, well, the plagues were going on, you know, it didn't touch Israel. That was God's. See, God does not bring judgment on his people. He, bring, he brought it on the Egyptians. And then when the Israelites were leaving, what, didn't ha- what happened? God not only didn't afflict them, all the neighbors gave up all their stuff to them. God will prosper you in a time of famine. We have to believe this. Read the Word and believe it. The Word is, is just coming alive like never before. Isn't that right, Dan? I'm telling you, we can hardly even read a thing. Where did that come from? Have I read this 500 other times? It's like it's just blown up with Meaning? So then in Joshua one eleven, he says, he's, he's, he's telling them to go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you're going to cross the Jordan River and you're going to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Get ready. Prepare yourself. We have to begin to and prepare ourselves. And I believe we have to prepare ourselves physically, we prepare ourselves emotionally, and we prepare ourselves spiritually. And physically, in First Corinthians nine twenty seven, Paul said, "I discipline, discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified." See, we we, we we don't we put ourselves into training physically because we don't want to have a calling on our life, and we've allowed our health to go down, and we can't even do what God's called us to do, and we get disqualified. Who's who's that benefiting? No one, right? So we have to, we have to prepare our bodies. We need to get rid of just the unnecessary, you know, plan your meals out. Now, thinking about your fast, plan your meals, plan your food item, reduce, start reducing your meal sizes, add more water, avoid sugary foods. Dr. Bill talked about carbs. Get rid of these high carbs that are not healthy. Eat more fruits and vegetables. Whatever God is telling you to do. I'm not going to tell you how to fast, okay? But I do believe it should be, it should include food. I do believe it should include food. So you need to decide how God is going to lead you in your fast. And, and some of you have health concerns. Use wisdom. Use but begin to prepare your body. And then we also have to prepare our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we need to seek God to reveal areas of our heart that need to be addressed. Before September 25th comes here, we need to address offenses, attitudes, addictions, our own personal agendas. We need to unrec, we need to recognize unhealthy health habits or physical habits or whatever they might be maybe spending (laughs) unhealthy spending the other thing god told us back in march was get out of debt get out of debt so we we need to begin to do it so we we need to begin to prepare ourselves and then our spirit first timothy 4 8 says physical training is good but training for godliness is much better how do we do that how about some spiritual disciplines Begin to incorporate spiritual disciplines in your life. Reading, silence, prayer, worship, these kind of things. Giving, service, fasting, all these are spiritual. Begin to incorporate these things so when September 25th gets here, you're not in shell shock, right? So, so we want to begin to prepare ourselves and physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Some of you might be going and struggling with depression. If you're struggling with depression, you let us know, we're going to do everything we can to help you. You don't need to take depression into this 40 day fast, right? So, we're, and you know, usually depression is linked to many different things. It could be physical, it could be spiritual, and emotional, of course. So, get rid of the stuff before September 25th gets here. The second thing in Joshua 3 5 says, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. So, we're talking about preparing ourselves. Now, we're talking about consecrating ourselves. Consecrate means to separate as holy, to purify, to dedicate to service and loyalty to God. In other words, first thing we need to do is consecrate our minds. What are we allowing into our minds? What are we allowing into our minds? We might think, I'm not immoral, but everything I watch is. Right? I'm not immoral, but I listen to dirty jokes. Do you think that's pleasing to God? Read the book of Ephesians, he'll tell you it's not. So we need to consecrate our minds. We need to consecrate our times. We need to consecrate our our body. And and we need to consecrate that 40 days prior to the fast and then the 40 days after. We need a commitment of loyalty and it's a service, it's a dedication to God for His will and purposes. See, we need to get rid of personal agendas. We have lived with filters in our life for so long that we don't accept anything except what we've all been taught. That's exactly why there's so many denominations in a church, because of filters. This group filters out this, so we call ourselves Baptists. This group filters out this, we call ourselves Lutherans. This one filters out, we call ourselves Presbyterians. Over here, they don't filter anything. We call themselves Pentecostals or Charismatic. (laughs) But even among that group, there's some filtering that's going on. But we do it in real life, too. You know, my, my mother, bless her heart, she's a wonderful woman. She loved God. She's I was born a Baptist, I'll die a Baptist. I don't know what that meant because she didn't go to a Baptist church. <laughs> but I don't know what that meant. And I never understood it quite, you know. But see, she had this filter, this block on her. She believed in the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. She didn't, uh, accepted all of that. But yet she was a Baptist. So it was like a label she wore. Well, you know, and that's okay. Well, The same thing happens in our politics if we're not careful. I was, my daddy's always a Republican, and I'm going to be a Republican. My daddy's a Democrat. I'm gonna be a de- my daddy's independent. I'm going to be independent. What do these people stand for that you're voting for? You're allowed to vote cross-party, by the way, outside the primary. You're allowed to vote for different people. Find out if they support biblical principles. And don't just wear the badge of Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever it is. So we need to consecrate ourselves. It's a commitment to anything that defiles or a commitment to remove anything that defiles or distracts us. What is it that distracts you? What is it that defiles you? I believe the Lord is going to call a lot of people away from some of their entertainment, although it's been greatly reduced. COVID has done a great job of removing those idols. How about technology? I mean, we live with, and you know, now we've got a society that's almost impossible to live. I mean, you can't just throw it away. You know, everything we do is, is on the internet, right? I mean, our business runs on the internet. So we can't, but what about the extra time? How much time do we spend? Every time I get in the car, am I picking up my phone? Or am I picking up my Bible? What are we doing? Work out your own salvation during this 40 days, okay? So we need to get rid of anything that steals our affection during this preparation time. You have to decide for yourself. Where are you going to be told this? In your quiet time. You've got to spend time with God in your quiet time. 99% of the time, he never speaks to me running around doing crazy stuff. It's in my... It's usually waking up in the morning or sometime in the middle of the night when I'm held captive, right? So we need that. What is our passion stealers? What is our time stealers? Pastor Zach said last week he gave up the uh, football and the sports because it was not only stealing his time, it was stealing his passion. And he saw things he didn't agree with. Why do we want to pay to see things from somebody who lives totally opposite of what God's Word says? I just can't see that. I don't understand that. So I don't understand that. So it's, it's also the time to ask God to reveal our secret sins that are, might be deeply embedded in our hearts. And then the third thing is obedience. Joshua 3, 6. So we prepare, we consecrate, and we obey. It says, In the morning Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out and went ahead of the people. The Ark represents the presence of God. The presence of God is represented by His Word. Are we obedient to His Word? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. Are we obedient to His Word? We cannot have any personal or hidden agenda that's contrary to the Word of God. That's not obedience. That's hidden agenda. That's a religious spirit. That's a, that's a political spirit. We have to follow the Lord. We talked last night in our prayer time. And John, it says that if if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you can ask anything you want and it will be done for you. I think Dan mentioned that scripture. We've taught on that so many times. And what's the question we always ask? And why isn't everything we're asking getting done? It's because we're not obedient. And this is what I think has happened literally. I think God's standard is high. This is God's standard. Where's the word? This is God's standard right here. Well, people in the church decided we can't meet that standard because most of the people aren't going to come to church to hear that you can't commit adultery and you can't commit immorality that you can't lie, you can't lie cheat and steal. So we're going to have to lower it just a little bit. We're going to lower the standard and then we're going to we're going to give them counseling so that they can learn to live with their dysfunction although we're never going to really call them to true obedience. And so in the meantime because the power of God is missing, what do we do? We in- we just incorporate programs we've, we fill it with programs we fill it with these all these little things because we got to keep everybody happy and coming back all the while they're dying see this is where life is this is not where life is this is compromise and this is what will get us out of the blessings of god and jesus wasn't talking about it. and john when he said he said you my words abiding you you abide in me ask anything you will and the father will do it it's because we're obedient to His word. You say, "What if I make a mistake?" You see, you just have to be falling toward God. I think Zach said that last week. You have to be falling toward God. Okay, you make a mistake. You had a wrong end. God, forgive me. I didn't mean that. Help me, Lord. Overcome that. If you've got the same Holy Spirit I've got, I got about a half a second leeway before He's all over me. Right? I don't. I, he doesn't give me two or three weeks to think about something. I don't know these people that can sit and ponder something and decide it's okay. I hadn't figured that out yet. So we have to be obedient. Fasting is going to be hard because the flesh is going to start screaming at you because you're denying what it wants. Fasting is going to be between you and the Lord only. It is not supposed to be making a big party. Don't get on Facebook and say, oh, day one a fast, I'm suffering like this for Jesus. Day three of fast, man, I am really, I've lost five pounds and I'm suffering for Jesus. That's not what he wants. No one should know that you're fasting. Don't go to work in sackcloth and ashes. You're going to feel like quitting and maybe even before you really start. You might feel like quitting in the 40 days of preparation. And I hope you will prepare. But the other thing is the devil's going to attack you. The devil will attack you. So we have to know, we have to have the full armor of God in our life. The helmet of salvation, the words. Why did the Lord tell Joshua to meditate on the word day and night? Because he knew the devil was going to attack him. Then you're going to make your way prosperous. Then you're going to make your way successful. So why do we fast? And I have some reasons here. This came right out of Bill Bright's ministry. I hope, I pray, my number one prayer is God give the people of impact eyes to see what's really going on. It's not about skin color. It's not about political party. It's about two kingdoms at war. And if we don't see that, we have been duped. We've been duped. And I think you do see it. I really think you do see it. Fasting was an expected discipline in both the Old and the New Testament eras. For example, Moses fasted at least two recorded 40-day periods. Jesus fasted 40 days and reminded His followers to fast when you fast, not if you fast. Fasting and prayer can restore the loss of the first love. Maybe you're struggling, and that's going to be a big enemy. You say, well, I just don't feel like like I'm close to God anymore. Start fasting. The enemy's going to come after you. He's going to battle you. He's going to push back. But as you go through this and you're victorious, that first love is going to return. Fasting is a biblical way to truly humble yourselves in the sight of God. King David said, I humble myself through fasting. There's no greater pull on the flesh than that of food. It's the number one desire of the flesh. The number one desire is food. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition. Anybody ready for that? Resulting in brokenness, repentance, and a transformed life. What did What did one of the... Uh, Scriptures say that I read. Let's see here. I know you're not supposed to lick your finger. How can we return when we have never gone away? See, a lot of the church is saying, well, I don't think it's such a big deal. It's just going to pass. Don't be deceived. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition resulting in brokenness, repentance and a transformed life the Holy Spirit will quicken the word of God in your heart and his truth will become more meaningful to you fasting can transform your prayer life into a richer and more personal experience fasting can result in a dynamic personal revival in your own life and make you a channel of revival for others fasting and prayer are the only disciplines that fulfill the requirements of of 2 Chronicles 7 14 if my people Will call by my name, will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. This is where we're at today, church. This is where we're at. And I, what I want to do, I, I just want, I just want to call you to the front. If you're willing to say, God, just I want you to use me in this time. Nobody's going to keep a clock on you. I remember it, may have job to or Mahesh, one of the guys down in Charlotte. He said he was fasting one time, and he'd gone through like two or three weeks. And he said he went into his kitchen, and there was a bag of potato chips on the top of his refrigerator. And everything in him didn't want to do that. He took that bag down, he ripped it open, he ate the whole bag of potato chips right in the middle of his fast. You know what he did? He closed it up, threw it away, he went right back to the fast. He slipped. But he didn't just say, Oh, well, it's all done now. I might as well. No, he started right back. There's going to be times the devil's going to come after you. You may slip. But let me tell you, God is there. God is for you, not against you. He is for you. And I just want a time of just at the altar. I just want you to talk to God yourself. I want you just to ask God to peel back your heart, to see what He sees. And I want to ask you to have such a humbleness in your heart that you're willing to say, God, I only want what you want. I only want to think what you think. I only want to speak what you speak. And truly mean it. And you know, you might say it and not mean it. I've said a lot of times and really didn't mean it. But I'm meaning it more now. Because that's a costly prayer. So let's stand if you will. Anyone that will. I'm not forcing you. Anyone that will. If you're willing to say, God, I want to be involved in changing our nation." I see what's going on. I want to to make a difference. I want to make a difference, God. Open up my heart. Reveal to me, God, things that can be roadblocks in my own life. God is for me, not against me. God desires. He desires. God, we thank you. Lord, you're telling us to return to you. God, we're returning to you. And God, you've You've asked us to do 40 days of preparation before we do 40 days of fasting. And God, there's a lot to prepare our hearts for. God, I pray that every one of us individually, every single one of us individually, will cry out to You and say, God, show me my heart. God, I want to be humble. I want to be pure. I want to walk in righteousness. Righteousness. I want to hit the ground running September 25th. God's going to call some of you to get rid of some friends that you have. I know that because He's required it of us. Not that they're bad people, they're just not good for you at this point in your life. You're not strong enough to influence them, they're influencing you. We can't afford that in this day. The Lord has has directed me personally to change a lot I do in ministry. I no longer do some of the things I used to do by His directive. And that was confirmed again last night with a prophetic word. Thank you, God. Lord, reveal our hearts to us. Reveal our hearts, oh God. Lord, we just want a pure heart. We want a clean heart. Refine us, Lord. Refine us. God, I pray that you'll reveal wisdom to every person standing there. There'll be a new passion in their hearts to to seek you, Lord. To lay down things that need to be laid down. To to hunger and thirst for your word and for your presence. God, give us a freshness, a fresh hunger for you, Lord. God, we don't know what the next 40 days are going to look like and the next 80 days are going to look like. But Lord, we just lay it all down. We just say, God, you know and you see. We know that You are for us. We know that You working in us to will and to do Your good pleasure. We can do nothing outside of You. We're not even strong enough to do this without You, Lord. We so, so need You, Father. We so desire to follow Your will in all that we do. So, God, we just lift our hearts to You tonight, today. And, Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, convict, draw, blow away, reveal, and heal. Everything that's not like you. God, we thank you for it. I just got a admonition: do not look back to what you did yesterday. Today's a new day. Don't fall back into the thing, oh, well, I did this and I did that. that. Was yesterday. Today's a new day. Today's a new day. The devil wants to condemn. The devil wants to bring you down. That's that's oh, that's in the past. Today's a new day. Today is a new day. Thank you, God. I believe also that God is going to be opening new doors. Debbie's a prime example. Where's Debbie? Next Sunday is her last Sunday with us before she moves. You see, God's opening a door. She's going to go into South Carolina and she's going to take the kingdom of God into that school. I've been in churches where people that would move, not this church, and the pastor would have a prophetic word telling them not to move. That wasn't a. I mean, I was a baby Christian then. I knew better than that. I thought, that's a bunch of junk. That's a little self-motivated. Let me tell you, we want to release people to go out and do the work of the kingdom. And we're still here. We'll stay connected. Thank God for Facebook and all the other things. And she's going to help get the Charleston church started. God, we're so thankful. Bless you, Lord. Does anybody you have something you want to say? The microphone. Please complete this. that we need to get ready if you're needing some help in one way or another we have no way of knowing what you need you've got to tell us so fill it out and if you need personal contact then leave the phone number on it so we can contact you. I want to ask you to, to to approach these next 40 days with no personal agenda read the word of God black letters on a white page Get rid of all your traditions you've learned, and just ask God, "What are you saying to me out of this scripture?" And if the traditions hold, you can bring them back. If they don't hold, you need to get rid of them because they'll rob you of power. Tom,
2: after Pastor Zach's message last week and everything that she's been talking about, a song I've been listening to a lot. God's really been challenging me about you know what we've done so far with our company. And that's a great star, but there's so much more that he called us to do. So, so the song, the lyrics are Holy Ghost, burn it. Whoops. Holy Ghost, burn it down. Fill the streets as we pave this town. Holy Ghost, baptize me. Light me up and set me free. It says TikTok times are changing. We're wasting breath debating. TikTok times are changing. This life is fleeting, fading. Somebody, wake up! There's a world that's waiting.
0: Yes, oh, wow. as he
2: told me, he you know, says, "Hey, wake up! There's what you've done is good, but there's so many more people out there that you're supposed to touch. So we all need to just wake up and and listen to what he tells us to do."
0: I tell you God, we, you know, and if we need volunteers, we're we're get, we're offering a lot of services free through Genesis to people now that don't have. Finances to pay. We're getting ready to work with some of the foster parents who are just under lots of stress. And these are free services. So if you need, if you want to volunteer and help in anything, let us know. We just expanded into Lexington. Uh, Last, we actually opened August 1 in Lexington. And then our office got flooded last night, two feet of water. But that's okay. God's got that taken care of. So, uh, but we, you know, find something to do. We see people that are broken, we see children that are hurting. We see children that are exploited. And, you know, everything's not about a dollar bill. Sometimes the people that need it the most don't have a dollar bill. You know what we have found? When you give this, God brings it in this way, He'll bring it in that way. And so we're just so thankful that we have the opportunity to touch a certain segment of the population that, you know, that maybe a lot of people don't want to deal with. But let me tell you, they're just like us. Except for the grace of God, any one of us could be a client. Of ours, including myself. So we we just have to you know develop that love for people. If we don't love people, we're not loving God. You can't love God and not love people, right? That's right.
1: I'm waiting on. Thank you, Tom. God so wants to make each of us a conduit of blessings. There's no limitation on what God will do. There is no ceiling. There's no amount of finances God won't run through your life if you keep the channel open. When He says give, you give, and you don't question the amount. Sometimes He'll tell you to give a little, and it doesn't hurt. Sometimes He'll tell you to give a lot, and it will hurt. But that's when the blessings really will overtake you, when we're obedient. There's so many opportunities that have opened up to us just to touch lives in America and around the world for children, for women that are being oppressed. You can't imagine the atrocities that people are put through around the world. And it just takes a little bit of money and God wants to run it through your life. And he lets you to keep some and be blessed in the the meantime. And live a prosperous life, but he wants to open up. He's looking for channels. He can say, I can bless that person and have their they won't there's no limitations what I'll do for Roger because he's not selfish. And he'll give and he'll give and he'll give. That means I can give him more and more and more because he wants to help change lives. Out of this church we can reach tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people's lives. We will never see them on this earth, but we don't have to. And nobody will know that we've done anything. That's the beautiful thing. It's between you and God.
0: I just want to tell you, just, you know, and you know, you, if you read my email on some of the updates, but you guys, with the donations from the church have helped thousands of people in Africa. You realize that? You know, last uh, couple we started with $1000 a month for Kolechi and it fed 10 families. Can you imagine spending your grocery bill was $100 a month for a family of four? Can you imagine that? I mean we eat more than we go out and eat sometimes more than that, right? We all do. But let me tell you, we 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 gave that and then Lee our friend said, "Is there any way that we you could help with this home for these girls who are having going through genital mutilation?" Just imagine that young girls. And, and they they needed four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, four thousand at the time to finish that. We'd already given them a thousand. You guys did that with your offerings for the nations, and they were able to complete that house. So the donation you gave, which may have been nothing in your eyes—hundred dollars, fifty dollars, ten dollars—that may be nothing to you. But let me tell you, if it's protecting a young girl, if it's feeding a family, if it's feeding pastors. What's the world going to do if, if this nation goes down the tubes? What are they going to do? They're looking to this nation because it's the greatest nation on the face of the earth because it was good, because God made it good. When we cease to be good, we'll cease to be great.
1: And we choose not to give to organizations that keep a percent for their own income and for their own benefit. We know Lee Grady. We know others. When we give the other day, we gave an offering. It all went to a nation. It all went to families. Lee didn't say, can I keep 10% from my offering? No, no, he never asked that. It goes straight to help people. We work with organizations. We know organizations that are helping children globally that are being abducted for sexual reasons and for slave labor that are four and five and six years old. They don't help two and three. They help hundreds and they help thousands. They go into Pakistan our friend Bruce Latibue goes into Pakistan with an armed group of men and rescues families that their whole families have been sold into slavery. And five-year-old kids have been forced to work until they die. They rescue them and take them out of the country, and they have places to s- put them in safety. Bruce, they do, yeah, um, they,
0: Bruce said, told us a couple years ago he would actually go into the streets of Pakistan and buy children out of cages. Because they're there to be so, they're on the streets to be sold like a puppy dog, and he would buy those children and take them out of the cage. That's what he does with the donations he gets, and he's had people that have been shot, not killed, as far as I know, but shot, trying to get children out of that kind of thing. So it's, it's inconceivable, isn't it, for us when our biggest worry is whether or not we're going to have the air conditioning on or whatever. What kind of car are we going to drive or whatever it is. God doesn't care about any of that. But He cares about that kid in that cage that's crying. He cares about those pastors, family, they don't have food to put on their table. And they're so thrilled just to get a bag of rice. I'm not giving you a sad soap story. That's just reality. And this is why this nation is here, is to to help with those kind of things. And I appreciate every one of you. Let me, you know, if you got my email, you read, we also got a grant this week. Given back to us over $32,000 from the Cannon Foundation to help with some repairs. And you know, we got that water thing going on downstairs. It's probably there. I, I did notice the men's restroom this morning was a little damp. But we, you know, so that's repairs and we've been blessed. And, you know, see, God, when you give to the poor, you lend to God. God repays. So you can never outgive God. Never outgive God. I think Genesis was started on a $5,000 donation we made to. Um, James Robinson to dig wells in South America. And we planted that seed in September. Genesis opened in November. It was just things started popping like that. It was in our heart, but it never had actually happened. And we just felt the need to do it. So you can never outgive God. we ready to go to war? Yes. Yeah. Lord, we thank You for today. We bless You. We praise You. Thank You for everything You do. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, we just bless You in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.